Hi there, Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment here. Welcome to the latest episode of our Farm Equipment podcast series, Our Dealer Story. In this episode, Associate Research Editor Benjamin Thorpe sat down with John Castonia, owner of Castonia Tractor, during a break at the Dealership Mind Summit. You know, I'd come down and help sweep the floor and things like that and just be around the store. I guess from an early time in my life, I felt like I wanted to follow my dad's footsteps and I wanted to to be involved in the business. And so that was kind of the earliest part of me discovering what I wanted to do. That was John Castonia talking about his earliest memories helping at the farm equipment dealership that his grandfather founded in the 1930s. Before we head over to John and Ben's conversation, I wanted to thank our sponsor, HBS Systems, a multi-generational company that for over 30 years has provided leading edge systems and software technology designed specifically for ag and construction equipment dealers. Thanks for making this podcast series possible. We'll pick back up with John talking about his grandfather's first steps into the world of equipment dealing. Well, my grandfather started the business uh, in 1939 in a little town of Morocco, Indiana which is in Newton County, northwest corner of Indiana, about five miles from the Illinois state line. So we're tucked up in that corner. Grandfather had farmed for a brief period of time before that, had a farm just over the line in Illinois, farmed. He uh, realized that farms were becoming more mechanized and that farmers wanted equipment to replace horses. And so he decided to open a John Deere dealership in Morocco. And uh, along with that, we sold hardware, Delaval milkers, uh, we sold Frigidaire appliances. So we've, we've had kind of a gamut of products that we sold through the history of the, the company. And then uh, my uncle was involved, my, uh, my dad's older brother. He was involved in the business from the early days too. He uh, was a World War II veteran when he came back from the war, worked in the dealership. And then my dad came along after that and uh, worked in the dealership. And then my dad took the dealership over in uh, 1967. And then, uh, of course, ran it for a long period of time. And I became president in 2000. And this year is our 80th anniversary. Well, congratulations, Thank first you. of all. That's Thank incredibly you. impressive, actually. That's a really good, long, good streak. Right out the gate, I'm going to ask you something that's fresh in my mind. Yesterday, we did an interview with Champlain Valley dealership, and they talked a lot about um, the fact that, as a veteran, he brought a lot from the service in terms of mindset and structure to the dealership. And you say mm-hmm. your your uncle was a... Yeah, my uncle. And my father was in the, in the Air Force okay. as well. Do you know if they, if they brought anything from that military lifestyle to the dealership? Do you see that reflected anywhere? That's a great question. Um, I'm not sure I know the answer to that question. <laughs> if, if they did, they never talked about it. I mean, I, I guess probably I'd have to say the uh, sense of hard work. Um, I know my, my grandfather and my uncle and my dad were all, they're all hard workers. And, and I think I would say it's probably that work ethic from the military that they would have brought. But that, that's a great question. I'd never thought of it that way. That's usually what I hear is that yeah. you, you bring a mindset of, hard work and ethic. And I hear a lot about establishing hierarchy and making sure that you know the chain of command and that there's proper movement up and down that mm-hmm. ladder. And it's it's something you see a lot actually in agriculture, you know, yeah. talking about hiring the, the veterans into the workforce and what an aspect they bring. Do you guys have any veterans in your workforce at all? We do, yes. I can't name them all. I know, I know my aftermarket manager has um, been with us about a year and a half and he spent 22 years in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. I know we have uh, others in as well. Any perceived benefits from them? Anything you think that they might bring? Well, I think I think just like you'd mentioned before, the structure, the hierarchy, making sure, you know, have a kind of a duties list and make sure those things get done and kind of that sense of duty and work hard and, sure. and 
follow procedure, mm-hmm. you know, which is important. And uh, as dealers get bigger and the, the processes and procedures become important um, so that we can establish some some quality, repetitive results, you mm-hmm. know, we, we have to be able to, to uh, as we s- serve more people and more machines, just it, it just it takes that repetitiveness to, to get a quality result. That's something that um, definitely, I'm sure, is good with growing dealerships as time goes on. With how long you guys have been involved, you need mm-hmm. you need that repetitiveness. You guys are a family dealership. Then, yep. if you started by mm-hmm. from your your grandfather, yeah. Uh, could you talk a little bit about maybe some strengths that come for, from being a family dealership? Well, I guess I like to I like that feel within the dealership, and I guess I don't know what it's like to be in a more of a corporate type business. Mm-hmm. So, but I guess I'd like to think that it's a family feel inside uh, the dealership. And I hope people uh, appreciate that, that it's, you know, we, we feel like a family. And I guess I have a sign on my office says the buck stops here. You know, you don't have to go to, you know, between several people to get an answer, I guess. So maybe that has a benefit as well. I don't know. And that's funny because that's kind of a military reference because yeah. that was uh, what president Harry was Truman. Harry Truman, you know, mm-hmm. uh, an extension of the U.S. Army. So that yeah. that shows that you guys have that sense of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about maybe um, your time at the dealership. So you mm-hmm. took it over from my father, your Roger. Father. Mm-hmm. Okay, grandfather, father, and then you. Yep. Tell me a little bit about what that transition period was like, father-son dynamics, and straight mm-hmm. pros and cons with family relations. Well, I want to start a little earlier than that. So. You know, our dealership was right in Morocco, the town, and I lived four blocks away from the dealership, and my grade school was literally a block away. So after school, I could ride my bicycle down to the to the dealership and hang out with Dad and, and check things out and look around and sit at his desk and, you know, pretend I was running the joint, you know, which was kind of fun. And then, uh, you know, I'd come down and help sweep the floor and things like that and just be around the store and from an early time in my life, I felt like I wanted to follow my dad's footsteps and I wanted to, to be involved in the business. And so that was kind of the earliest part of me d- discovering what I wanted to do. Hmm. And so, but I, I just vividly remember as a kid, you know, being down there a lot and, you know, riding my bike to and from the dealership, which was fun. But then my first job at the dealership was... Uh, to, he, he had traded for this old lawnmower. And my dad was a really good mechanic. He knew exactly what was wrong with it. But he wanted me to take it out and mow with it and find out what was wrong with it, see if I could figure out what was wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I did. I went out and did that. And I come back in. And and he showed me. I He explained it to me what was wrong and everything. And he wanted me to take it apart and fix it and everything. And I think he determined at that point that I wasn't a mechanic. <laughs> So I didn't spend much time in the service department after that, but I did, uh, I guess, when I did start actually working there, I I worked in the parts department. Mm -hmm. And so got a a feel for that side of the business and looking at parts, waiting on customers, just the customer service aspect, inventory control. That was my entry into the business. And then, uh, so when I went to college and came back to, well, during the time of that I was in college was when we bought two additional stores with a small uh, store in, in Morocco probably was you know not enough room for both of us at the time you know so when we got three stores in 1988 mm-hmm. we bought two additional stores 
why then there was more room to grow, probably more room for me in the business along with him. Pros and cons of having your father having been in charge and then you trying to take control, <clears throat> and maybe pros and cons that came from that? Um, I think everything pro. Uh, I mean, I guess I was very fortunate that my dad had a lot of faith in me. You know, and I guess he felt like, I mean, yeah, I mean, he'd take me aside and I wasn't perfect, right? I didn't do everything right, obviously. But but he wasn't, uh, he was a good coach. He didn't, you know, chew on me. He actually, he, he would, you know, coach me through it. So we worked well together. And I know a lot of sometimes parents and uh, sons, maybe when they're in a business situation, sometimes they don't. Uh, I was very fortunate that my dad and I did work well together. So, um, of course, I had faith in him. I listened to him. He surprisingly had faith in me and from a young age. And uh, so we just, we worked it out. And uh, I focused on my strengths and let him focus on his strengths. He was more comfortable in the shop with a wrench in his hand, uh, helping the mechanics and, and just kind of keeping an eye back there. And like I said earlier, since I'd spent more time in the front on parts, I maybe felt more comfortable in the front of the dealership. Uh, my first job out of college was in sales. So I got out of college and I sold for a little bit. So I kind of dabbled in that. But like I said, we, we complemented each other well. Sure. In that respect. I'm Jack Simlico, Precision Farming Dealer Magazine. If you want to be more successful in precision ag sales, service, and support, join us for the annual Precision Farming Dealer Summit, co-located with the National No-Tillage Conference. Check out more information at precisionsummit.com. And now back to the Our Dealer Story podcast. I think you see that reflected a lot. I mean, I think, I think it's natural when someone raises you, you kind mm -hmm. of, you change a little bit, but you maintain a lot of the good qualities they pass on to you. Mm -hmm. So I hear a lot about that synergy and those strengths. Yeah. Um, you talked about buying two stores um, after you came back from college. Um, as well, I was in college. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about that, maybe, if you didn't know about what that process was like. Were those your first acquisitions? Yeah, uh, it was the Rensselaer store and the DeMott store mm -hmm. Indiana. So yeah, I was, it was the uh, summer of 88. We had uh, actually gotten, John Deere notified us that those stores were, previous owner was wanting to sell them and you know, we were a neighboring store. It would have been contiguous to our trade area. So I was, I mean, I wasn't deeply involved in that process, but um, yeah, it was, it was quite an interesting process to, to, to go through that. And hmm. ironically enough, we were just going through some new computer training. We had just upgraded our computer system uh, through John Deere. Mm. And so we were getting, when we got the word that the store was available for sale, we, we were kind of prepared because we were already transitioning into a more modern system for taking care of, of the, the business. So sure. the, the timing was, was pretty good. And me coming out of college and it, it was about, it was a year before I uh, graduated so it worked well for the timing for me coming out and helping dad with that how does has your tech usage changed maybe from 1988 i'm oh, sure it's my drastic gosh. But oh drastic if you can yeah. if you can do pull that comparison maybe. oh it's not even it's not even close I mean, it's, <laughs> it was uh i don't even know the i don't even know the truth what the operating system probably fortran or something those <laughs> businesses i don't even know what it was but uh you know it, we 
first computer was just one computer, not even a network. So we were installing, a, we thought we were big stuff when we'd have a network of computers, have a couple of computers in the building. And uh, then when we were transmitting between the stores, you know, we complain about slow, when, when on your phone, if you get your phone out, you complain about slow bandwidth. And so the, I remember the first modem, you know, talking between the stores, the broadcast speed was 2400 baud, which means 2400 bits per second. So it's the, the technology is just vastly, uh, it's not even close. And, and then the, and the machinery too, the machines much more complex. Uh, just, yeah, the, the, the whole business from even from when I started to today is, is, uh, is vastly different from inside the store. You know, I guess on the outside, you know, we still get the, we still get to work with, with farmers, which is great. I love working with farmers. They're, you know, they're hardworking people and they know what they want and, you know, they, they have a job to do as well. So that business to business relationship is a good fit for, you know, our company and we enjoy doing that, so. Sure, great. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned that your dad made you try to get you to fix a tractor that he knew was broken, which yeah. I love as a story. That's so yeah. great. Just out of curiosity, did you ever figure out what was wrong with it? Yeah, you had an old Kohler motor, and the when the engine would get hot, had a bent valve in it. So mm -hmm. when the, the valve was bent, so when the motor got hot, the valve would stick open, um. and then the motor would stop, would lose compression, and stop running. Okay. So it'd mow for a while, and then it just kind of. The engine would just kind of fall on its face and die. Yep. Now, did you figure that out or did he tell you after you tinkered with it? Well, I took it apart and then he said, well, then he pointed out what was going on with it. Sure. Sounds like yeah. a good coach, honestly. Yeah. Someone who shows mm -hmm. you stuff. Yeah. So now the next obvious question for me, did you do the same thing with your kids? My son uh, so far hasn't been uh, involved in the dealership yet. So mm -hmm. maybe that'll change. Yeah. So he's going off to college this fall. So. I was talking to someone else more previously and they were saying how their kids uh, had gone off to school to be um, XY majors, but they mm -hmm. had a secret feeling that they were going to come back and mm -hmm. that there was going to be some return. Do you see yeah. that happening maybe? Possibly. Yeah. He's, he's going for a business degree. And, uh, you know, I think that whether he'd want to come back after school or go to work somewhere else and then come back, maybe get some experience at a different type of company and then come back at a later time. Mm. Um, you know, that would be okay too. So I'm totally open for what his requirements are or what his wishes are, I guess. Do you see yourself prioritizing kind of um, continuing the family generation of passing it on to someone within the family? Um, that's possible too. I've got, got grandkids and uh, it's possible. So your grandfather who, who bought the initial, who founded the initial mm -hmm. dealership, um, thinking about ideas you took from the way he did things back then to the way things are now, the way he, they did things all the way back then, because that was no, 39, I mean, wasn't it? 30, yeah, I don't have a lot of feel for how specifically they did things. I mean, obviously, the the, the you know just the the things looking at parts, and uh, I know he used to trade for horses and so forth. When the farmer would, you know, they'd be transitioning from horses to tractors. Oh sure. And then so they would buy a tractor, trade in a horse or horse, a team of horses. He'd take them to our family farm in, in uh, Beaverville, Illinois. And he, that's where, you know, you can't put them on the 
equipment lot, right? They have to be in a, in a, inside of a fence. So he'd take the horses to the farm and, and then keep them there to, until he'd resell them. We talk about so, valuing trade-ins. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, try and sell used horses when everybody's, when everybody's going to tractors and you got to sell trade-in horses. So, that's, so maybe that's one way to may, maybe, maybe taking that uh, odd trade-in isn't such a bad thing after all. <laughs> we have to deal with once in a while. We don't take horses anymore. Yeah, for everybody in the camera, we don't. They don't yeah, take horses. No, no horses. <laughs> well, great. Um, and that's actually a pretty decent segue about maybe the the modern status of the, mm -hmm. of the dealership. What are a few things that set you guys apart from some of your competitors? Some things you guys excel in. That's a great question. I mean, I, I, going back to the family thing. I mean, the I guess the the small family feel. You know, I'd like to think that we do do a good job with taking care of our customers and, and keeping the personal relationships. And, you know, I guess our customers aren't, aren't numbers to us. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I'm not knocking anybody else, but you know, uh, obviously if you're a customer of a, of a business, think about your own transactions you have. You don't want to feel like a number, you know, you want to be treated like a, like a person, a valuable partner and, that's what we like to, I guess, we like to treat our customers like they're a valuable partner of our business, and they are, and, and that's not a number. So I guess to, as far as standing out, you know, that's how we would, would, I feel like we would stand out. And that's something that I think we see come from a lot of family dealerships is those close personal mm -hmm. connections learned from that family yeah. aspect. And we have generations of customers as well. I mean, we have custom, I have families that I know that have they've I've known their the the current farmer, their father, their grandfather. I mean, I've we have generations of customers as well, just mm -hmm. as long as the dealership. So um, that's neat as well. And you 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 know, I'll have a conversation uh, with one of my customers, and I can go back to two generations with them as well. Wow! So people who were working with your grandfather. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I've got some folks that. His grandfather was buying equipment from my grandfather, and his father from my father, and yeah, well, maybe I don't know. So yeah, there's there's some there's some generational uh, relationships as well, which okay. is neat. It's that's neat to think about. Do you do you see any any differences in how those relationships kind of grow and change, or or maybe how you try to foster new ones with with new customers? Well, in the ag world, there's not a lot of new customers, and you know, there's they're pretty well established. Um, of course, in the in the consumer world, you know, we're always trying to forge new relationships there. Um, but you know, I guess it just boils back down to service and taking care of people, and you know, taking care of their needs. Doesn't matter if they're farming or mowing lawn or taking care of a, a property or horses or animals. It, you have to take care of their needs, and that's what we try to do. You go to school. Um, did you major in anything ag related? Uh, no, I I uh, went to Purdue and I studied uh, management school of business at Purdue. So hmm. not entirely unrelated though. You're clearly using it now. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also thought it was. Funny. I didn't start out in business, so actually I should mention I started out in computer science. There you go. When I went to college, when I went to Purdue, my original major there was computer science. May I ask why? A passion? Um, well, I, I guess. Um, when we were in high school, our high school had some uh, computers. We had a computer lab in our high school, believe it or not. What year would that have been? 80... 84, 80, 
84, 85. I graduated in 85, but I think the last two years of my school, we had a computer lab. And I, just, I thought it was interesting. So I thought, oh, I'm going to try that at Purdue. Well, they weeded me out of that pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, they, but it, it, was, it was a neat experience. And I got to stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning writing programs. And that, I, I found out that wasn't what I wanted to do. So, so I switched to school of business. Sure. And you, I'm guessing you found success there. You graduated, and yep. now maybe talk a little about a bit, a little bit about what led you back to the dealership. Well, from a young age, I wanted to do it. Um, wanted to come back, and and going to the fact that we expanded and added those two stores during that time when I was in college. I think it just added to the it added to the excitement of wanting to come back. Mm-hmm. You know, if I would have come back to a single store. Maybe there wouldn't have been room for me and my dad both to both to both be able to operate and thrive in that environment. So having a coming back to a three store environment when I graduated in 89 um, added to the, I guess, the excitement of of going into the business and following that that passion I had for the business from a young age. Did you know? So you guys were at different stores then when you came back? No, we both worked out of Rensselaer. That was kind of our headquarters. It's still our headquarters. Um, uh, so yeah, I I went to Rensselaer and I sold. I I started selling right out of college to kind of learn that game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, last window that we can fill between selling right out of college and then said 2002, you took ownership. 2000. 2000. Mm-hmm. What's, what's going on in there? Any interesting tidbits? No, I, I probably, I mainly um, was involved in the, I guess you'd call it the accounting side and the, the business side. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, whether it be, you know, you know, watching the financials, uh, tracking inventory, ordering equipment, I guess pseudo parts manager or pseudo uh, sales manager, I guess you'd call it. Sure. I would order equipment and, and I would, um, help do if a salesman sold a machine needed a contract made to, you know, financing contract, I would do up the contracts and things like that. So more on the financial side. We'll get right back to the Castonia tractor story in a minute, but first I wanted to say thanks to HBS systems, the sponsor of this series. To learn more about HBS's equipment dealership management systems, visit www.hbssystems.com. After that, head over to farm-equipment.com for the latest industry news. Now back to the story of Castonia Tractor. Darren Foster from the farm equipment team, who coincidentally lives 30 miles from the dealership, joins in the discussion of how Castonia Tractor's multi-generational history has benefited their strength as a dealership today. Growing up in the same area, so they bought these dealerships in '88. Well, I know what '88 was. Mm-hmm. We had corn this fall and the drought. Yep. So, picking up two brand new dealerships yeah. with the worst drought in my memory. Yeah, yeah. What was, was tell us about <clears throat> that? When something's put in front of you, you, you kind of have to go do it. Uh, so the opportunity was there, and uh, and we, you know, you you kind of. You about have to go for it, right? So, um, but fortunately, we had you know good relationship with banks and good relationship with John Deere, and you know we we got through it, and made it happen, and uh, you know 
it's, it's hard to remember all the details from that, the, the minute details from that long ago, but you know, we worked our way through it. And yeah, knowing it was a dry year, it wasn't, obviously wasn't hmm. easy. Um, the next year or the next two or three years, however, were, you know, gangbusters. Uh, 89, 90, 91 were, were great years. So, mm -hmm. so you kind of started with a fizzle and then you kind of made up for it in the next three years. You had, had three pretty good years uh, back to back there after that. So we kind of, we didn't get in the perfect time, but we got in at the kind of the lull. Mm. And uh, so, and maybe that helped us along. Maybe, sure. maybe dad got a better deal than I thought. And we kind of <laughs> got it, got it bought right. And, you know, again, hit, hit a good, good point coming out of the trough. That, I guess that's a good question right there. I didn't think about when that happened in 88, because obviously it happened yeah. in, March. It was when we got word. I, I remember this because <laughs> it was my 21st birthday. I was. Wow. Uh, it was right around my 21st birthday, May of '88. Uh, was when we got word from John Deere that the dealership was for sale. So that was right in planning time. So we. So we were negotiating through um, May or June, July, August. We we took over in August of '88. So so yeah, during that time when it was dry, that's when we were. Wow planning and negotiating and planning the taking over the dealership in uh, summer of 88. So was, the, was there a time, I mean, when your granddad, your dad, and kind of you were all involved in it or, or at least? I guess not actively. My grandfather, he, he retired in 67. Oh, okay. But he lived right next door to the dealership in Morocco. So, so he would come down every day i mean practically every day he'd, he'd walk down you know uh from here to you know if you go across to the conference center that's how far it was away and just you know so he'd come down so i'd see him at the store too uh and then in in uh we had our 50th uh anniversary and we had a big we had a big party there in morocco and uh so that's kind of neat when we sent out a letter with my grandpa's and my dad's and my picture on it and sent out invitations. And so we were all there at that point in time. So that was kind of a um, way we celebrated with the three of us. And, and my uncle was there too at, at 50 years. He was out of the business at that time also. But, um, but yeah, so there was a handful of times we were all together at the you know, dealership and, and celebrating the business, I guess you'd say. We well, yeah, had your granddad would retired when you were born yeah so mm -hmm. yeah yeah so so he he bought the dealership in 39 yeah. he, he started, started it he started it started a yeah. brand from new scratch yeah. Wow. yeah 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 it was in downtown morocco and then uh we built our our new building in 1947 our building in morocco i have pictures from i have a lot of photographs from when it was being built it's pretty neat it's been it's burnt down since but it's, it's pretty much dilapidated now gone but that was how it all started. So then you're taking control in 2000 and between then and, and now, any new acquisitions or any new uh, big moves in the industry? Yeah, in, in 2016, we purchased two more stores, uh, Valparaiso, Indiana and Crown Point, Indiana. Those are north, those two stores between us and Lake Michigan. So basically we cover from Lake Michigan, um, basically three counties wide down the corridor about probably 100 miles north to south. Mm -hmm. uh, I bought those in 16. Uh, it's been a great addition to our, our dealership. 
added a really good sales mix, um, you know, and obviously a lot of, it's a, uh, there's some metro areas up there, so mm -hmm. there's a lot of um, lawn and garden, small tractor potential, skid steer potential, and there's still a lot of egg potential as well. So mm -hmm. it just brought a lot of, a lot of a good sales mix and a good, um, and, and really a good uh, fit culturally, that dealership and our dealership the culture fit's been good too so so all around it's been a pretty it's been a smooth smooth transition um now so th those are your first acquisitions with you at the head right before we that. had one in 93 actually I, I missed that one so in 1993 we bought a store in fowler indiana okay we actually let me back up so yeah in 88 or 90 i started back at the dealership and then we ended up closing our store in Morocco, our original store. Mm -hmm. We closed it. So there was a three years where we were two stores. In 93, we bought Fowler, mm -hmm. Indiana. So I was, um, I was involved with my father in that, that acquisition sure. as well. So that was, that was pretty fun. I was 26 years old, going in front of John Deere. It's got to be. To uh, try and pitch it. Pitches buying a dealership, but yeah, I was petrified, but it worked out okay. Yeah, yeah. So we got that done, and then, like I said, in sixteen, we bought the other two. So okay, well, that to me, that's an interesting dynamic. You start with mm -hmm. your first dealership, and you're 26, and you're going to John Deere, and that's mm -hmm. I can't even imagine how nerve wracking that must be. And then cut to, to 2016 later, you're doing two more acquisitions. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you think your perspective on it changed in the oh, time? Oh my gosh, a lot. Well, just the, the process, the, the process was much more complicated. Well, we were taking over a dealership that had closed in 93. Mm -hmm. So we weren't taking over an operating business. So it was a little bit different in that we were buying a facility and basically restarting, reopening a John Deere dealership mm -hmm. from basically scratch because that store had been had ceased operations, I believe in the fall of 92. So it had closed for a few months. So we were, so it was a little different because we were op, we were just reopening a dealership. In 16, we were taking over a an operating dealership. So it was a, quite a bit of different dynamic. And of course the actual process was a lot different, a lot mm -hmm. more complicated. Sure. And we talk about even machine, everything getting more complicated, computers, oh, yeah. machines, mm -hmm. everything. Coming from that discussion about the 88 crop versus the 2019 crop and maybe how your the ways of handling things have changed. Maybe talk a little, little bit about some other ways that things have changed, having seen your grandfather, your father running the business mm -hmm. and now you're in charge. How, how have some things in the way you manage the <clears> dealership <throat> changed? Um, well, I just remember when I was a kid at the Morocco store, there's five or six people there. Mm. You know, you're, you're at a one store facility. You can talk to everybody that works for the dealership. You can walk 50 feet and talk to everybody, mm. you know? So now we've got, and, and you know, we've got five stores. Obviously there's, there's dealers way bigger than we are, but five stores, you know, 80 people and just the, and obviously the, the complexity, even with the cell phones and computers, you know, you have the tools to talk all the time, so people do. Back then, you didn't, maybe you didn't communicate as more, as frequently because it wasn't as convenient. So today, we talk all the time. People talk, and communication's happening all the time. 
Um, so the people aspect, and then just the managing the people aspect from one location and five or six people, five, six, seven people, to five locations and 80 people. You've, mm -hmm. got, you've got 80 personalities, you've got five cultures, you've got, or five stores, they each have a kind of a sub subculture of their own. Mm -hmm. And you have 80 personalities and you have, so it, it's complicated. Like I said earlier, there's a lot of moving parts. And so it's different. It's, it's, uh, it's funny that technology, you know, if, you, if I reflect on it, and I'm taking 10 seconds to reflect on it, not, <laughs> not 10 hours, but you know, maybe in a way the technology has made it more complicated because it gives you more options. There's more you than know. one way to do a sales call or a service. Yeah, it machine. gives you more, so many more options. Maybe it makes it more complicated. And maybe it was a simpler world when we didn't have, you know, cell phones and GPS. And I'm not knocking that stuff. That's great. And we, we, I wouldn't want to do without them now. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it changes the dynamic of working in and operating and running a business because those are stuff you have to contend with hmm. in some way. For sure. Um, you talk about personality types and how, how things mm -hmm. differ between dealerships. Uh, I got to ask, what do you think your dad's management style was and his personality style in his uh, dealership with only six people? That's a good question. You know, when, you know, as a young, when I was young and maybe I didn't, I wasn't tuned into that style. Um, my dad was pretty laid back. I mean, when, when he had a point to make and I've seen him fly off the handle, not many times, but, um, he was pretty laid back, mm -hmm. um, but when he wanted something done, he pretty much said, this is what I want, this is what needs to get done, or this is how I want it done, or whatever. But he was fairly laid back um, in, in that way, his management style. Like I said, he was more comfortable in the shop than, than the front end. He was, I'd been on calls with him on a Sunday afternoon out to a farmer's place, and he'd climb, climb right up on the combine, and work on a guy's combine. Mm -hmm. That was just him. He loved doing it. He loved having a wrench in his hand and doing that kind of thing. So, hmm. Did he have, um, when he was, when your grandfather was in charge and he was maybe doing stuff in the dealership, did he have a history in, in the shop as yeah. a tech? Yeah, he, he, he worked in the shop quite a bit. I heard my grandpa was kind of a wheeler dealer, <laughs> kind of a, kind of a, well, if you're trading horses for tractors, you yeah, got to be yeah. a wheeler dealer. You but, have to be some kind of magician <clears throat> to get but I, But I've heard that uh, my grandpa was kind of more of the, the, he was a salesman. He was a sharp, uh, snappy salesman, mm -hmm. a wheeler dealer type. And my dad uh, was more of a laid back mechanical type because he was, a air, he was a, in the Air Force. He was an aircraft mechanic Oh sure. in the Air Force. So I suppose that's why he liked working on things. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So it sounds like your grandfather and your father had their own synergy when they were mm -hmm. working together. Your grandfather could be out front. We mm -hmm. were selling horses for tractors somehow. Yeah. And your father could be in the shop working on things, doing what he's comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And then when your father's in charge, you take a synergistic role to him. Yeah. What are some things maybe, if, if you wanted to tell anybody about what's important about the family lineage in your dealership, what would it be? Well, I think you touched on it a little bit ago. I think that... And I never really put it in that framework as you did that, you know, my grandfather was in the front wheel and dealing. My dad was, and my uncle, to an extent, I think he was kind of a, I, I didn't, uh, his, his tenure in the business wasn't as long uh, from typically, well, probably from before World War II to, to about 1966. But his 
putting it in the context you did, everybody complimented everybody through the line. You know, my grandfather was more of a, you know, salesman, wheeler dealer kind of guy. My dad would have been in the back, you know, working on tractors. And, you know, he told me stories about how many, you know what a corn picker is? Or you probably don't even know what a corn picker I've is. I've heard of it. So, so it's a tractor mounted corn picker. I think it's a model 227. So my dad told me stories about the work he did at the dealership. And, uh, you know, he put mounted those, he did mount, you didn't, there wasn't a combine. It was a, it was a picking machine that, that was mounted on a tractor. So the dealership would mount them, sell them, and then they mount them on a guy's tractor. Well, my dad just told me stories about there'd be summers when he'd be mounting right before harvest season. He'd be mounting just dozens of these corn pickers on tractors. And he, I know he scooped it. So my grandpa even traded for like cribs of corn for, oh, wow. for crops. So and in fact that my dad famously said that was his first, his first job at the dealership was scooping out a crib of corn. My grandfather had traded for, for crib of corn well, on probably ear, you know, ear corn. Mm. My dad had to scoop it out to go sell it or, you know, whatever, take it to market. And that oh. was his first job at the dealership. <laughs> and uh, had rough first jobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One other story I just remembered is, uh, so in my, you know, you talk about when my grandfather started the business in 1939. So, uh, I believe it's on our website too, but you know, he didn't have a lot of money to start with. And so when he ordered his first load of tractors, he ordered six tractors from John Deere. Hmm. He didn't have to enough money to pay for the tractors. He paid the freight. All he had the money for was to pay the freight. Hmm. So he paid, sold a load of hogs from the farm, had enough money to pay the freight, just to freight the tractors to the dealership. And then he had to sell them to, you know, sell them to pay for them and then just keep Keep it rolling, yeah. How old was your grandfather when he started? Uh, he would have been about 33. I think he was born in 1906, I think. Somewhere in that, I believe. That was really impressive. Mm -hmm. So that the the strength comes in your, almost from your farmer roots, that, that willingness to get commodity for, mm -hmm. for tractors. By the way, how far we've, we've come, the value of yeah. some of those commodities. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but that, that family lineage strength really is your, mm -hmm. your strong point, keeps you yeah. guys bound together. It does, it does, and we're proud of it. Thanks so much to John for sitting down with us at the Dealership Mind Summit to share his story, and another thanks to HBS Systems for making this series possible. I'd love to get your feedback on the series, so drop me a line at kschmidt at lessetermedia.com. You can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Spotify, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. This will ensure you'll be alerted as soon as new episodes are made. Thanks for joining us for this one-on-one -on -one conversation with Castonia Tractor. Until next time, I'm Kim Schmidt, signing out of the Our Dealer Story Podcast. <laughs>